Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR, your host David Gill here. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. I certainly am. Today's episode was a sit-down between myself and Travis Walker. I was very excited when Travis agreed to do this interview. He's the co-founder and CMO of ARC. ARC is arguably one of the most ambitious blockchain projects out there, um, and I got to talk to him all about it. We discussed many things, including you know where he sees ARC heading over the next few years, what he looks for when hiring new people to his team, or you know how his team is able to work remotely rather than being based in Silicon Valley or some other tech hub. We also discussed you know why Arc chose to go with delegated proof of stake over some other consensus mechanism. And don't worry if you don't know what that means, uh, we will explain it. Uh, all of that and much, much more. I had a great time, and I hope you guys do too. All right, well, let's get into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. Hey everybody, I am sitting down with Travis Walker of Arc. How are you doing today, Travis? Good, good. How are you? So before we get into uh, more questions, could you give me just a quick little background uh, about yourself before you co-founded Arc and kind of what led you to want to start Arc? Uh, yeah, about myself, I guess. Um, I don't know. I've always been kind of a nerd when it comes to computers and uh, technology. Uh, before I got like deep into uh, starting Arc and previous project, I was uh, focused on uh, technology and actually trading before that. Trading as in like regular uh, stocks or other assets or? Uh, no, I, I got I, I taught myself to trade when uh, after. I jumped in headfirst with Bitcoin. Uh, okay. I see, I see. And so for those familiar, uh, I'm sorry, who aren't familiar with ARC, what's your like 30-second like elevator pitch or description of what ARC does or what it is? Um, ARC is an interoperable blockchain and uh, ecosystem for development, for platform development, for uh, interoperable blockchains. Uh, it's completely customizable, so uh, you can... Customize your blockchain how you need for your specific use case and be connected to the ecosystem itself and utilize anyone else's customized plugins or blockchains. I see. That makes sense. And so <clears throat> since you're the uh, CMO of Arc, I wanted to ask you a few non-technical questions, more about the, uh, I guess you could say, business side of Arc. Like, I I've noticed that Arc has taken a different approach to marketing and uh, the user interface compared to many, many other platforms out there. And honestly, I would argue that you guys have been one of the best when it comes to creating like a seamless user experience and actively trying to make, you know, blockchain tech as accessible as possible to the masses. Like, why have you guys focused so much on that? And why do you think so few other projects have? Uh, I, I guess it's just the nature of the industry um, as it, I, I'm not. I, I can't really speak for every single project out there. I can only speak for Arc. Yeah. Um, uh, but we wanted to make sure 
we focused on the technology because like when we had our ICO back in 2016, there was there wasn't this whole huge ICO hype market. Mm -hmm. There wasn't everyone raising 30, 40 million dollars back then. We only raised like less than a million dollars to build the technology out. And that was really our goal in in the whole aspect of everything. Build something that we like, that we're passionate about, um, and make make sure it's easy enough to use that anyone can use it. That was our goal from the beginning, and that's we we've kind of stuck with that. Yeah, and speaking of that, the technology, you know, Arc has uh, certainly large ambitions, and I would encourage everyone listening to take a look at the uh, product roadmap. I'll, I'll leave a link in the description. But obviously, you know, you can only do so many things at once. So what is the like primary focus of Arc right now? That that, that is great. Like um the the way our roadmap is, like, and you can click on the details for each little section mm-hmm. and gives up percentages. We are actually pretty much focused on every single one of those all at once. We hop around a little bit, but uh right now the focus is getting V2 out getting it stable, and that's the foundation for every other part of that roadmap. Once that hits, then we can move on to the next one and two and three, and it's a building block from there. And ARC started as a fork of LISC, correct? But now V2 is its whole own separate thing, correct? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, yeah, V2 is completely coded from scratch. Uh, we rebuilt everything. There's no legacy code there anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, it was the Crypty code base. So Crypty was a was like the original Lisk. It was the predecessor for it. Um, mm-hmm. The guys who created Crypty went in three different directions. Uh, they started Wings, Lisk, and Arc. Um, all of the the Arc co-founders and everything were with Lisk in the very beginning, and we were all delegates. We helped the over there for quite a while until that was an established product. And then when we, like, especially our co-founders that were Crypty co-founders as well, we saw the direction Lisp was going and we saw the direction Wings was going and we're, we're still focused on, okay, there's this other spot in, in the entire blockchain industry that's missing. Uh, so we took the most recent Crypty code and we forked that, which would happen to be Lisk v1 at that point in time. Okay. And so when you decided to kind of redo everything from scratch in V2, was mm-hmm. it that Lisk was lacking what you needed or why exactly did you guys decide to do that? Yeah, yeah. That the entire code, well, it's, it, there's, there's still legacy crypty code in all of that and it's just not what we need. Just like old, we, 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 we see the, 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 like, I don't know, it just... It bogs everything down. It's not clean enough for us. It doesn't do what we need it to do, what the what the blockchain can do. And that's why we coded it from scratch. Okay, that makes sense. So if we take a look at the, the bigger picture for ARC, uh, especially like next three to five years or so, where do you see ARC in three to five years? And then in the even larger picture like say 20 years from now if everything goes well what is the potential for arc that is an extremely extremely difficult uh prediction <laughs> i understand uh, I, I, it, ideally even even going back a 
or even a, a year into the future, right? It'll be, this industry could totally just flip on its head. I mean, it's very, it's very new industry. Um, it's hard to predict that. Uh, I know what I'd like to see with Arc is, I mean, adoptability or adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of why we we're building it, like to to make it easier for the little guys and easy for enterprise. Even anyone that wants their own blockchain doesn't need to raise, you know, fifty million dollars worth of some coin on top of somebody else's project. They can have their own, and they don't need those yep. those billions and millions of dollars to pay all these developers to build their own blockchain when they can just have one and they can use it like WordPress is for for websites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard you make des- it that easy. I've heard you describe it as WordPress for blockchain before. Is that probably the best description? It's pretty pretty close because there's a the way yeah the way WordPress and like Wix and Squarespace everything like that they has these plugin modules like you can put into your website and make it easy to customize it however you want. Um, we do the same thing with, with Arc. I mean, you spin it up, you can choose all of your different parameters, and then on top of that, you can always add in more, more modules as they're built on, um, like a VM module for smart contracts, or you can have you can put in a, put in a uh, IPFS module for large data storage or something like that if you want to run a uh, an inventory control chain or something like that. Mm-hmm. We make it private, public. Like we're, we're trying to all these customizable options the way WordPress did for internet. Yeah. And uh, trying small to businesses. make it easy to do anything you want to do on the blockchain. Yeah. So let me ask you, this is a little different uh, away from the tech for a second. So in the past, right, you know, most tech innovation has come out of just a few geographic hubs like Silicon Valley or maybe Seattle. Uh, and it seems like talent and money has always been, at least in the past, geographically centralized. However, your entire team works remotely across many different countries, I, I believe. And I, we've seen a lot of new startups in general, you know, choose not to go to Silicon Valley or some tech hub. Do you think this trend will continue? And in your specific case, have you had any challenges of being a distributed company? Uh, I don't know. I, I think... I think we work pretty well together remotely. Uh, we get we get a lot of stuff done. It's it's easier on everyone. It and it keeps the overhead down. Like we don't need a brick and mortar. We don't need to spend what is Bitmex spending on a, a an office right now five hundred thousand dollars something like that. Yeah, it depends. Like on we we don't location. we don't need that kind of overhead. Uh, it's it's great, and we also get you know the the time to spend with our families. Um, we travel when we need to. But when we don't, we're in front of the computer or we're always available. And I think we're available more often because we don't have to travel to and from an office all day. We don't have an office hours. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that works out great, like especially in the beginning when we were uh, doing so much testing before we launched the, the uh, ARC in the beginning. Like we were, we were all here, you know, 16, 17 hours a day, even though there was breaks in, in the middle for – for family time and everything like that, there wouldn't be that in an office setting. Yeah. And when you're hiring new people for the team remotely, like what are the like main things that you look for? Maybe one or two things that you look for and how do you kind of go about that recruiting process? Uh, there's quite a few things going through there. Uh, one thing we're big on hiring from the community themselves. Uh, we like to see what they can do in a public setting and a remote setting that way. Uh, like if they join our Slack or mm-hmm. our Slack chat, it's it's easier to monitor that way. Um, see the interactions, see how dedicated they are they are to technology itself. 
Um, we also pay attention to a lot of like uh, our our GitHub bounties and stuff like that. It it there there it's a I don't know it's it's kind of hard to go through a whole um, hiring phase. Yeah, yeah. When every position is pretty much just handpicked. Yeah. Is there any like specific character trait that you look for in a person? That really depends on the job title, I guess. <laughs> like uh, for an engineer, maybe. For, uh, that would not be my department. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean, it's we are our we are like we're very uh, big into like go getters. Mm-hmm. Ambitious. As, if if you if we can give you a a vague idea of what we want out of you, and you come through over the top of that, and then add to that list and we see you always engaged, always asking questions and always doing the, like everything that we want from you without having to supervise constantly 24 seven when we got other projects going. That's a huge, huge seller. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Obviously it's, you always want to hire for ambition and you can train for skill later if it's, if necessary. Um, Don't get me wrong. Skills. Yeah. Obviously skill <laughs> it's matters. It's kind of needed but, in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> So, and this is kind of stemming off of that in terms of recruiting, but overall, you know, when you hear about major corporations like, you know, Google or IBM or Facebook or any big company uh, that says that they're going to invest a bunch of money and build big teams, obviously they have the ability to pay high salaries and attract lots of talent. Uh, How do you react to that? How do you go about competing with these multi-billion dollar behemoths? I, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. Um, they're actually training their own uh, their own competition most of the time because all of these developers come in like, uh, I don't know, it was like Wells Fargo and everything like that. They'll spend a billion dollars making this whole blockchain education uh, push mm-hmm. and they'll train 100 developers to, into how to build a centralized something they want for themselves and all these developers come out and say well you can't do that we can do decentralized right. if you want and they say well no and then those developers move on from that company and become the competition as they build decentralized systems so you and think... then we go out and we we start picking them up They're, they train their own competition it's great in this industry so i think you, so you think because they're kind of antiquated in how they run their companies that it's actually their biggest disadvantage is that kind of what you're saying uh, um, it's our biggest advantages. I wouldn't say they see it as a disadvantage for themselves. Okay. It's a. Uh, it, it's like I said. It's great for us because those people will spend the years training to build something, and then they they'll get a bug in them and say, "But I could just do it myself, or I could go work for this company, be mm-hmm. remote, and do it decentralized and have an open. I'm, I'm not like set to someone else's." day-to-day schedule and they what they want to build i can go out and build what i want to build yeah that's that's very smart especially on your guys's part so okay i wanted to talk to you a little bit about a few technical questions about arc um first why delegated proof of stake over say regular proof of stake or some other consensus mechanism uh we're pretty big on delegated proof of stake uh even before before arc was around like we were all delegates in another de- delegate proof of stake model. Um, before that, co-founders 
created Crypty, which was, which was a delegated proof of stake model. Um, before that, a lot of people were following Dan over at uh, BitShares. It, we just see it as in the, the correct method for where we want to go with this industry, as opposed to trying to create a proof of work system that is that takes an immense amount of computing power, um, or a proof of stake method, which is similar, but I mean it's a little greener. It's only running the computer. It's not running a giant mining machine. Yeah. Um, but with uh, with delegated proof of stake, I mean you you can a, a small franchise down the street could have you know a couple of small stores they want to run inventory control on. They can't do that really with proof of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they want a private chain, they can just spin up an arc based chain, which is delegated proof of stake. They can run it on their security camera uh, computer in the back room and make each store a node have three three nodes running the entire network and be set. Okay, that makes sense. And can I ask, why 51 delegates? Was that just arbitrary? Was it just 50 plus 1? Or was there a specific reason you guys chose 51? Yeah, actually it was a little bit of testing. Um, it was like there was, uh, I think Lisk went with uh, 101 mm-hmm. delegates, I believe. Uh, and I think BitShares is 21, just like the predator or just like the uh, BitShares, what is it, 3.0 EOS now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's uh, 21 as well. Uh, we feel that's a little too centralized, and 101 is a little not slow enough for what we want to push, or not fast enough. Sorry. Yeah, it's a little slow. Uh, there's like a it was like it was like a perfect number with an eight second block time, 51 delegates worldwide. We checked the latency. We saw how it, it, it ran, and we we just ran with it, and it worked almost perfectly. I, the, well, it took a couple of different numbers to try, but that one just seemed to hit. And with 51, are you guys worried about any potential centralization, or do you think 51 is enough where you won't have that problem? I I, I don't know. I think the I think we're. Uh, We've been running long enough that we don't have to really worry about that centralization issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like a new ARC-based chain that did just a clone might have that issue. If they're a smaller and they didn't have a big, they did a huge pre-mine and they did it all themselves or whatever. But yeah. I don't think we have that issue at the moment. Um, there is, I think there's one or two people that are voted in to the uh, the delegation itself that have more than one delegate, but they're completely controlled by um, by voters and do thousands th- and thousands of holders. Do you think the delegates should have their identities revealed, or that should they sh- should have the option of being anonymous? Uh, me personally, I think that's completely up to them. I, I don't think anyone should force a docs really because <laughs> i i've seen like on eos obviously they have 21 and i know it's a different platform but yeah. that they are potentially looking at having the people actually like be identified so you can't yeah. have anonymous uh, uh, delegates that, that would probably hurt them because they control those 21 people but that's just my personal opinion <laughs> okay i mean it's uh, just the debate that, that's, you that's know? the centralization of it we don't, we don't want that centralization we want the decentralization we want the, the public to choose who they vote for who gets into the 51 who controls the network that's the great thing is mm-hmm. if they don't if they don't if they're not happy with uh 
the amount of information they know about their delegate, they don't have to vote for that delegate. Okay. No, that makes sense. It's obviously, you know, right now there's tons of debates in the crypto community going going on about how things should be done going forward. So I always like to see different people's uh, takes on things, I guess. Yep. Uh, my, my personal stance, I'm not saying this is Ark's personal stance by any means, but mm-hmm. my personal stance is uh, I'm kind of a fan of the anonymity. Um, I, I was a big fan of it before back in geez, 2012, 2013, when I found Summercoin, which turned into Navcoin, uh-huh. which is another privacy coin. I'm like, I've, I've, been, I've been into the, uh, the privacy technology for quite a while. Been around. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this about ARC. Probably the biggest killer feature of ARC is the uh, smart bridges and you know, the ability to connect different blockchains with each other. And it uses what you guys call um, encoded listeners. Could you kind of give an as as simply as you can, like a little explanation of what encoded listeners are and how the smart bridges work? Well, the smart bridge technology is actually two things. The encoded listener is one part of it. Mm-hmm. The encoded listener is like a loophole. Um, that's how we connect to any blockchain in the world. It doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin. It it can be any blockchain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a hub and a server that listens to two blockchains, the Arc blockchain and the pre-programmed other blockchain and does all the transactions through that. The, 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 downfall, the downfall with that is that's kind of a centralized um, loophole because uh-huh. you, have, you have to trust the encoder listener themselves or you have to go to what we call ACES, and it's another project that uh, builds these encoded listeners out and they're making a marketplace, like a trust-based system um, to trust your encoded listener. Um, There's, like I said, there's a centralization issue with that, the trust-based system. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is also, it's a great loophole for for people that just want to connect, a a straight connection to a privacy coin or something like that. And they don't care about that anyway because it's already a privacy coin. Right. Um, the downside of that, that is like you can you're only as fast as the slowest chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the actual smart bridge itself, it's a vendor field, and it's a it's it's inside every single Arc transaction. So every single Arc based blockchain has the smart bridge built into it, and so they can communicate with each other. The vendor field itself is a 255-character box, basically, that you can put in functions, uh, you can type in code, you can put in messages, you can you can insert whatever you want to trigger something on another blockchain. And so right now, what blockchains are you guys enabled on of the major ones? I believe you are on Bitcoin, correct? Are there other ones that it's been implemented on? Yeah, there's working two-way transfers on uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin right now. Um, you can also even issue smart contracts on Ethereum from Arc without touching Ethereum. Really? Yes. Hmm. And this has been around for quite a while. It's the Aces project, uh, Arc ex- Execution Contract Services or Contract Execution Services. And so, why only those three so far? Is it like is it a burdensome process? The uh, the the Aces team themselves is just refining that technology. They keep uh, they keep working on that. Anyone at at this point in time, anyone can start a Nakoda listener. Okay. The 
it's an open source side project of us and we like it's there anyone can go there if you have a favorite coin you can go there and use some development technology or some development skills go there spin up your own encoder listener and they can be added to the aces project too okay okay that makes sense so arc and and most crypto projects i guess the popular projects these days are kind of first layer infrastructure i guess you could say for other second and third layer applications to be built on but so far there hasn't really been like that killer app just yet that would be that's not a a protocol layer are there any that you have seen or maybe used that you're kind of excited about uh yeah, yeah, I'm not sure yet. Uh, there's there's a lot of interesting things out there right now, and there's there's a lot that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, we're not quite there yet, but uh, it's going to be really interesting in the next, I would say, the next six months to a year to see some of these new applications coming out on on these other projects. How do you? Feel, or like how do you think you know a lot of people are saying decentralized social media and I mean really decentralize everything but how would a decentralized social media company compete with the likes of Facebook or Twitter or whoever do you think that's realistic in the near term or you think that's something that's going to take a lot longer to really have mass adoption uh, it, it, it may take a while because I mean look how early we are in this in this industry and look, look how long it took to get the internet going itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody even knew what email was back in 94. Yeah. I it, mean, it, it, it could, it could take a while. And what do you think the, do you think it would be likely, like if we stick to the social networks, cause that's kind of relevant these days. Do you think it's more likely that, Facebook or Twitter or one of these creates their own decentralized version of their platform or do you think it would be a, a some startup or someone else that, that would do it? It very well could be one of them. And, and also, it if it's not, sometimes you don't need a blockchain. <laughs> right. You gotta remember, and sometimes a database is better. Mm-hmm. If it's faster at the moment, I mean, why not? Why not stick with what works? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's the same with smart contracts. Sometimes you don't need a smart contract, even though it sounds great. Maybe you just need a locking mechanism. I mean, it's it there. It depends on what their goal is and what their plans are for scaling out. Um, I can't say I know how Facebook plans on doing something like that in the future, or if they even want to. Right. Maybe maybe they are planning something else through their blockchain or their um, decentralized systems mm-hmm. of the future. I think it'll be very interesting to see because obviously there's a lot of, you know, questions going around about censorship and uh, how much power should they have, and maybe decentralization mm. is the answer. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I think it's all very fascinating, though. Um, it it does it does lead to um, the possibility of hurting a monopoly. Certainly, certainly. So okay, last question, not uh, crypto related. Uh, I saw on your Twitter last week that you were in Singapore for a conference and that you've traveled a lot for ARC. What's been your favorite place to visit so far? I would say by far probably Singapore at the moment. Really? I've heard uh, a lot of good yeah. things. Never been though. Well, yeah, I, I went there I went there a little early to uh, jump in on the F1 race. 
Ah, very I'm cool. A, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a racing fan. If you do follow me on Twitter, you see that I sponsor quite a few race cars. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I swear, I saw you had a uh, ARC, not a NASCAR, but a, a similar... Yes, it is a NASCAR. Oh, it is a NASCAR? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I have I have, a, I have a short track team. I have two short track teams that are like Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is jumping around in ARCA as well. Um, and I do... I did have uh, Corey LaJoy from NASCAR driving the ARCA 72 for a while, too. Who's your uh, favorite F1 driver? Oh, uh, of all time, Schumacher, probably. And what about currently? Currently, uh, I'm such a fan of Schumacher and F1. That's hard to pick. Uh, I, fo- I guess I follow Hamilton. I'm not like a huge fan because... Uh, that's, it's hard it, it, it's, it's hard to say at the moment alright well I'm an Alonso guy unfortunately doesn't look like he's going to be racing in F1 he, yeah this is his last year but they said he was going to Indy possibly so yeah hopefully he'll do well outside of F1 it's been it's been a tough road as a Spanish uh, F1 fan but yeah <laughs> anyways uh thank you so much for your time today if people want to find out more about you personally uh how can they find you online uh a great thing would be following me on twitter um what's at, your at, uh yeah username at don'tmind.com all spelled out okay no actual periods in there i'll put uh i'll put the for everyone listening i'll put the link to his twitter in the show notes and if people want to learn more about arc is just the website the best place to go or uh, yeah, the uh, jump on our website. Uh, there's links to our blog there. If you really want to get in depth, go mm-hmm. through the blog. Um, there's also, if you want to get more technical and everything, go to our docs sec- section, the DOCS. It's at the top of the website, and that will go through and explain everything from APIs to our 16 or 19 SDKs we have right now. It'll go through as much as possible. And then make sure you join our uh our Twitter, uh, follow us on Blockfolio, uh, check out our Discord or our Slack chat. I've seen you Reddit. guys are probably the most active on Blockfolio out of anyone I uh, follow, for sure. That, yeah, that was... Uh, and I've, I've, had, I've had positive and negative from that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, anyways, for everyone listening, I will put all those links in the description so you can find those easily. Travis, thank you so much. This was great. Uh, any parting words that you want to uh, leave with the audience? No, no. Th- thanks for having me. This is uh, great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Hey guys, David here. Before you go, if you listened to this episode this far and you enjoyed it, all I ask is that you share it with one person who you think would also enjoy it, someone who you think would be interested in blockchain or ARC or what it takes to run a project like this. It's all very interesting. Also, please leave us a review if you did enjoy. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to us. And finally, I wanted to take a second to tell you about what we do at MGR. So just like ARC makes it easy for businesses to build out blockchains, we make it easy for businesses to grow. We're a full-service marketing agency, and by full-service, I really mean it. You know, from managing your ad creative to diving deep on business strategy or even building out entire web platforms, MGR does whatever it takes to help your company grow. 
If you want to take your business to the next level, that's what we do. And if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can just email me personally, david at mgragency.com. You can just shoot me a simple one-liner saying, listen to your podcast, interested in what you do. Or if you already know what you want or need help with, uh, you can send me a full explanation and I will gladly get back to you or we will gladly get back to you really quickly. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you next time.